Vesti family has an amazing history. The origins of their business stretch back to the docks of Liverpool in the 1890s. Over multiple generations, they built a global empire. Egg processing in China, cattle ranches in Australia and South America, refrigeration and shipping businesses to transport their produce around the world, and Dewhurst, at one time the largest chain of butchers in Britain. Today, the business is led by George Vesti. The shape of the business has changed dramatically, but it retains the strong sense of purpose that's been instilled over multiple generations. This conversation is part of our position project, an ongoing exploration into the power of brand positions and the stories behind them. I'm your host and strategy partner at Squad, Rob Gray. So, um, thanks for talking to us today, George. Your business and family has an amazing history, so perhaps we could start there and you could tell us how it all started. Well, it's a story about two teenage boys, my, my great-grandfather and his brother, um, who were sent by their father from their hometown of Liverpool uh, over to America uh, as teenagers uh, to buy food products for their father's provisions business back in Liverpool. You know, can you imagine two teenagers uh, being sent across the Atlantic like that? So over they went and uh, they, they bought on the Chicago market um, and they were really good. They, they were very effective. Um, uh, they sent product back to their father. Uh, they settled in the States. Um, they built a business beyond supplying their father so that uh, after a number of years they had uh, customers uh, up and down uh, the United Kingdom. Um, but anyway, having incorporated the business, they then looked beyond America um, and decided that uh, there were good sourcing opportunities in Russia. So they went out to Siberia um, and found a range of products that they could, they could buy, um, store, and then send back into the United Kingdom. And it was a very difficult political regime at the time because uh, the communist revolution was, was brewing. So it was really hard uh, trying to manage this young business at that time. And then one day my great-grandfather, he was, uh, it was obviously pretty tough, so he decided to have a holiday. He caught the Trans-Siberian Railway Line, went down into China, landed up in a town called Hankow, and was going around the marketplace which specialised in eggs. So he uh, bought a load of these eggs and uh, broke them into a pail uh, and uh, cabled his brother and said, the quality of the eggs here is absolutely amazing. We've got to set up a, uh, an egg production business. Send some money, go to the banks and send some money. Uh, and when the products arrived in the UK, they were all rotten because the refrigeration hadn't worked properly. So they had a big claim with the shipping company. Uh, the business was put on hold while that was dealt with. So they went and bought four New Zealand meat tramping vessels, refitted them. They knew they were very knowledgeable about uh, refrigeration. Um, it was a key element of the business. So they fitted the ships out properly so that uh, uh, the refrigeration worked uh, as was required. Um, and ended up by supplying the bakery trades around the world. Um, and most meat was brought into the country uh, through uh, particularly American wholesale companies who charged a high margin. So. My great-grandfather and his brother, they went to Australia, they went to New Zealand, uh, they went to South America, um, to Paraguay, Venezuela, Brazil, Argentina. They bought land, uh, they rented land, they built 
meatworks, um, and they set up the means effectively of production and, and processing, and then they increased the size of their fleet of ships. Um, the shipping company that they now had was called Blue Star, uh, which became one of the, sort of the iconic merchant shipping lines. Um, and then they needed at the receiving end of the products to create uh, the platforms for selling the goods that they produced. Um, so they bought uh, butcher shops, um, meat wholesaling companies. Um, the butcher shops were all, in 1923, put under the single brand of, of J.H. Dewhurst, which became a household name at the time. And that model lasted the business for nigh on 70 years uh, until the 1990s. And during the Second World War as well, they, that, that fleet of ships that they got, which were absolutely state-of-the-art, um, they, were, they were actually faster and better ships than the, the Royal Naval destroyers. So on all of the convoys, um, the Arctic convoy, the Malta convoy, the um, Atlantic convoys, um, uh, the Blue Star ships went um, unescorted on their own because they were faster than the rest of the, uh, the fleet. Um, so the attritional rate of those ships was, was huge. I mean, nearly all of the ships were lost um, and about 650 company employees perished as well. Wow. I was going to ask you about the, you know, working in, on the shop floor in the, in the butchers. You know, what do you remember of what it meant to, you know, the, the people you were working alongside um, to, to work for that business? I think there were definitely some sideways looks to begin with. You know, is this guy going to be up to it? Um, but I was always hardworking and, and all that kind of stuff. And I really enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved the uh, learning about the craft and, and the skill that went with it. And uh, I love the camaraderie. Um, butchers and shop assistants, um, you know, they're great characters. And goodness, they even have their own language. There's a language called backslang, which I had to wow. learn, uh, which if uh, a butcher didn't want uh, a customer to know what, was, what they were talking about, they'd uh, talk backwards. Yeah. What, what did it teach you about, you know, that you've taken forward and now leading the business, about the kind of values and things that you've wanted to maintain and hold on to? Uh, you know, a mantra of mine is, uh, I don't mind how long people stay with us and work with us. Um, Know, whether it's a lifetime or whether it's a couple of years, but, but whatever it is, when they leave, they must leave better people than when they arrived, and they must acknowledge that themselves. So when they look back, they say their time with us was good. Um, so I think in answer to your question, um, uh, enabling, empowering people to work to their best is, is one of the lessons that, that I learned from my early days that I really try to carry out nowadays. Mm. And um, how did you becoming um, chief executive of the business come about? I was still only 23, 24 when I came into the business, so I was, I was absolutely as green and inexperienced as you could be. So everything I learned in business was from our own organisation. And uh, I decided after about eight or ten years that, that actually I needed to get out and I wanted to go and set up my own business. So I... I, I built a retail business, um, which I had for about eight years. Um, and the last of our non-family chief execs was an amazing Danish guy called Jesper Edelman. He was an absolute, absolute legend. Um, very left field, uh, very different from the traditional 
British thinking, particularly British family business thinking, I suspect, which might have been a little bit conservative with a small c, a little bit hierarchical, a little bit cautious. And one day he said, um, has your family thought about succession planning? And you know what families can sometimes be like. We, we, we don't really want to talk about the things that are a bit difficult to talk about because, you know, Jesper was an amazing guy and he was, he was uh, making a, a real impact in the business. But he said he was going to retire. Uh, and so we ought to start thinking about it. Anyway, uh, on a further a few, uh, a, a visit further on a time we were spending together at a later stage, he said, have you thought any more? And I said, well, we, we've sort of started talking about it, but we haven't got very far yet. And he said, well, I'll tell you what needs to happen. Um, he said, I'm going to retire, and a member of the family needs to come in because we've got a missing link here. We need that family connectivity. Um, and if you have an outsider, a non-family person running the business, whatever they're doing, it just takes a little bit of the edge off being a family business. If you've got someone at the helm, and I guess you've got to have the right person at the helm, um, then, then it just sort of creates that family dynamic much more powerfully. So he said, uh, you've, you've got to do it. Um, Anyway, he was a very persuasive guy, and after about three months, I agreed that I would do it. But then the next big thing was to persuade the board, because the family had made this decision that we would be non-executives within the business. So uh, at a board meeting, Jesper uh, said that he was going to retire. He'd given it a lot of thought. He'd had a chat with me, and that I was uh, agreeable to it. But would the board consider appointing me as his successor? And, and the board was... Um, surprisingly <laughs> supportive of the idea. So uh, that's how I uh, came back into the business. And we've worked together um, with you on the purpose, um, and I know that's something you put a lot of emphasis on. Why is that important to you? Um, fairly early on in the piece, when I took over in 2010, it, it, it dawned on me that um, a lot of our managers um, talked too much about the past, about what the business had been, you know, the whole pioneering spirit of uh, Russia and China and Australia and South America and, you know, the amazing frontiers that the founding members of the family pushed back. And I wanted us to focus much more on what we are about today, you know, respect the past, but that's gone, uh, but definitely enthuse about what we are today because we've got some wonderful activities, some really good businesses, uh, and amazing teams of, of people who are highly skilled and, and very dedicated to what they're doing. So let's not belittle that by talking too much about the past. Um, so you and your colleagues at Squad were, were fantastic in helping us to, to tease out a load of uh, different thoughts that we got and to try to make sense of them and bring them all together and put them into a coherent meaning. Um, so for us, purpose uh, was encapsulated as, as good ownership. Um, and by good ownership, um, we meant um, uh, uh, respecting the past, um, but not being bound by it. Um, uh, leaving our mark for today taking pride in what we were doing for, uh, today. So beneath the, the, the catchphrase of good ownership, you know, what did that mean? Well, there were three very important strands. 
Uh, one was pioneering spirits. So how do we, how do we capture the pioneering spirit of the past and apply it to what we do to today? Uh, secondly was shared responsibility between a family and non-family colleagues. And then finally, uh, the third part of, of good ownership was sustainable actions. Um, so are the businesses running as well as they should be? And assuming that that is the case, how do we um, uh, act in a sustainable way in terms of engagement with community? And to what extent do you think this thinking around purpose was something, was new thinking that you brought to the business versus something that had been there in the DNA of it, you know, through your ancestors? I think the purpose of the business was, was always, always there. Um, through actions, um, through um, endeavours, through the sort of the story of the business that, that grew up. Um, I think, uh, speaking for our own family business, uh, I, I think I'm right in saying that, that there was a sense of belonging um, to a, an organisation that was greater than the some of the individuals within that organisation. Um, I think purpose has become an expression um, that didn't necessarily exist before, but, but, but it's a great expression, um, it's a great word, and, and enables an organisation to articulate itself you know, with greater clarity. Um, so I think, I think we, we, it was there, it mm. wasn't coherent, it was mixed up in a, mm. in a load of different feelings and mm. beliefs. Um, and I think just bringing all that out and making sense of it, um, uh, particularly for, for you know, younger uh, people joining the business, I think that's the world we live in more nowadays. Uh, people want to belong to an organisation that they can mm. be proud in, uh, mm. that they feel uh, is aligned to their values and vice versa. Um, and I also think that through the the past year, you know, the extraordinary year that we've had uh, with lockdown restrictions and massive intervention into into business collectively, but 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 particularly into ours, you know, we have a, a heavy exposure to the hospitality sector, and and so our volumes have have been well down. But uh, and we've had to react to that, um, and it's been very interesting because having that sense of purpose. I think has been like a guiding light. Mm. Uh, I think it's it's given people confidence to make the right decision because we know the path that we're on, even in the face of difficult decisions that have had to be made. Um, and I think that purpose has, has been quite central to that whole leadership piece. Mm. One of the things we worked on um, coming out of the purpose work was the communication of that. We made a film. Um, how important have you found the creative side of bringing it to life, of kind of elevating it beyond a, you know, a PowerPoint presentation in a management meeting to you know, an emotive film that brings it to life? I think being able to, it, it brings out the emotion and, and um, you know, the, uh, the character, if you like, of, of a business much better when you, when you hear people, see people. Uh, communicating on a film and I know that uh, in communicating with stakeholders as well customer suppliers and other people connected in whichever way with the business 
I think the video has been a very powerful piece, much more so than, as I say, a written document yeah. could have ever have been. We were trying to recruit a, a fairly senior manager and, and we had a shortlist and all of the candidates on the shortlist said, we've looked at your website and there's nothing particularly stand out about your business. And we went, well, that's, that's really, that's, that's rather worrying to hear because, you know, we, we, we believe that we're a good organisation. We, 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 you know, we've got a, um, a great set of colleagues and we do a lot for our community. We're clearly not uh, spelling that out very well. So, so we learned a salutary lesson there. Uh, and I have a chuckle with the individual who, uh, who was offered a job and accepted it. And uh, we do talk about that, uh, that interview and the video that followed on afterwards. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think she would be the first to say that you know, she does work for an organisation that, that um, you know, uh, has a great sense of responsibility for um, its people and for the community of which it's a part. Okay. And looking longer term, what role does it play in, in your thinking around the future of the business and where it's going? I think it remains as important uh, going forward as certainly in the near term as we hopefully come out of lockdown and, and you know, life is not going to go back to what it was. The landscape is going to be different and so helping to identify that landscape, where we want to be in that landscape, how we're going to prioritise things, how we're going to communicate with each other, with stakeholders, um, how we're going to take the kind of sustainable actions that a business like ours, you know, it's 126 years old now, we want it to go on for generations to come. So how, what are the actions that we're going to take that are going to um, provide that kind of stewardship that's needed? Um, uh, to me, purpose is absolutely core to that whole set of uh, discussions and decision-making. This conversation was part of our position project. We'd appreciate your help to improve the show, reach new listeners and record more of these conversations. So please leave us an honest review and rating.